0: Welcome to the Asian Digital Supermovers interview series on Clubhouse where we speak to experts, founders and investors about the Asian digital economy and ecosystem every week. Monica, Mushir and I, Pritish, invite guests for a conversation about building, scaling and operating businesses in Asia. Follow our club on Twitter. Our handle is adsupermovers for providing us any feedback and staying updated on interview series guests and
1: topics let me go ahead and start by welcoming first of all shravan and uh, Pratish to the stage right now thank you shravan for joining us i'll be uh, going through your introduction shortly but first things first thank you everyone for joining us and sparing time on a saturday it's going to be one of the most invigorating sessions i've hosted with a very young pm and obviously really look forward to uh, hosting him and i've been following him on linkedin for the longest period of time and I chuckle when I read his post. So that's how much I enjoy reading his post. And I have told him publicly and privately that sometimes it's difficult to reply on them because, you know, it, like, it create a lot of excitement. So that's good. That's how good Shravan is. But let me first introduce Asian Digital Supermovers to you and what uh, the format of the session is going to be today. And then we'll get started. So Asian, welcome to Asian Digital Supermovers and Building for Asia series uh, with me and Pritish. We have a third co-founder, Mushir, who is probably going to join us in a bit, but in the interest of time, we are quickly starting out. We look at providing uh, content to you in the Build, Operate, Scale model, and where we talk about, and we are running a weekly series on uh, a couple of topics. Right now, uh, Building for Asia happens on Saturday mornings. Pritish runs Asia Tech Talk series, which happens on Sunday, and we have an exciting speaker for tomorrow lined up, which we'll tell you about shortly. And then Mushi runs you know, the DeFi, crypto, and the fintech charter for Asian digital supermovers, which also happens at on Monday or Tuesday every week. Also, we have our weekly news, which runs on Wednesday. And so we have a complete packed calendar coming ahead. And uh, what we focus on in the Building for Asia series, which is happening today, is really focusing on product management and Building for Asia. Because building products in Asia is very different than maybe creating a global product or creating a product for which the TAM is really, really large. And I wanted to delve into the final aspects of what it really takes to build products that actually take and create products for about a billion users. And uh, couldn't think of anybody better than Shravan, who actually specializes in growth. So, welcome, Shravan. I'm just introducing you shortly. But before we do that, a quick reminder of the session format. I'll be introducing Shravan. I'll be going through uh, a typical Q&A with him, which will be about 30 minutes. We'll be pausing in between for questions. So we'll really appreciate that if you have questions, do raise your hands. We would really love if you would come to the stage and ask us the questions. And more importantly, if you could not come in to the stage because, you know, you're in a place that uh, is very noisy you could drop a quick message on Twitter or DM us on Twitter or leave a message on Telegram, which is a group. And you could tell us what the question is and we'll ask Shravan here. And in case we're not able to answer all your questions, then there's always LinkedIn. In the meantime, uh, Pratish, did you want to uh, quickly join in before I introduce uh, Shravan?
0: Sure. Uh, thanks, Shravan, once again. Thanks, Monica, for the introduction. So, as Monica mentioned, we're looking forward to speaking to Shravan about this, and obviously, understand the the Baiju's case as well as his personal experience across other firms and what he observes in the market. And as uh, Monica mentioned, this is just not this AMA. We really try, as we say in our description, if you can check it out on the Asian Digital Superbowl, was OG experts, founders, and VCs who we really believe in or we follow the content of or really are doing some incredible work. So I would really request everybody to join in, sign up, definitely follow the club as well as the moderators and the AMA speaker so that you will be updated of future events going forward. At the same time, I just want to reiterate that this will be a recorded session. Thanks.
1: So thank you. And without further ado, a quick introduction to Shravan. While he needs no introduction, Shavan is a product manager by profession and a growth enthusiast entrepreneur by heart. He is a passionate first-principle thinker, and he believes in the concept of collective conscience, which means if you contribute back to the ecosystem and help it grow, the ecosystem contributes back and helps you grow as a network effect. He helps startups grow and build user-centric products with immense adoption, drive GTM, and mentor product enthusiasts on learning the fundamentals of product mindset, growth mindset. First principle thinking, user empathy and business models. Currently, Shravan works at Baiju's where he is focused on making learning fun for kids by building personalized and engaging products for kids. He is a product mentor at the Big Shift platform and also a mentor founder at the Product Tree, which has 2,500 PM on growth enthusiasts as a community and growing. In his free time, he loves to read and write blogs on value creation, GTM, and evolution of consumer-facing products. He is an avid reader of books, especially on psychology, growth mindset, and scaling startups. Welcome, Shravan. This is a huge introduction for somebody who is so young and obviously has such a huge fan following. I don't think words can do justice, given uh, what I know about you, but uh, welcome to Asian Digital Supermovers and absolutely delighted to have you.
2: Thank you
3: very much, Monica, and thank you very much, Pratish. It's an absolute honor to be here. I hope I am audible to everyone. And thank you very much for the kind introduction. I'm not sure if I am worthy of that introduction. But then again, it's an honor again. And I would try to do, do my best in order for everyone to derive value. That's what I do typically.
1: Thank you so much, Shravan. So let's dive right in. So Shavan, tell us about your journey into product management and what really got you started. Did you even understand and know what product management is? Tell us about the entire excitement that landed you into your first PM job.
3: Yeah. So Monica, it's a very serendipitous journey. In my college, I basically come from Jammu and Kashmir and not a lot of people go to IIT from there. And I went to IIT and I was a metallurgy graduate. What I realized in the second year when Android was very, very new, I'm talking about 2012. So we thought there was a problem that we used to go to Delhi and we used to have have a lot of fun. But a a lot of times we used to get caught by cops, right? So at that point, when you don't have money, so we realized, can can we build something which can effectively allow us to know where cops are and we don't get caught as college students. So f- along with two of my friends who were computer science graduates, we built something f- called Waze for Cops. I'm sure you must have heard of Waze. It's a Google product yes. now. Google, Google acquired it, right? So we built that and, and it was... Very, very, we never thought that we are going to build it. We, we thought we'll just send across the APK to a few of our friends and we'll be able to connect in a group. But what really happened when we published it on a Play Store, it got over 300k downloads, and that happened from Arizona, US. And that happened organically, which was very, very unlikely. One day, so I received an email from a, from a very, very, very big uh, enterprise firm, which is ADP. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. ADP is a security firm in the US. And they said, We like your app, we want to buy it. And for the first time, I felt like that. Is, is it like a Nigerian scam or something? <laughs> Somebody is telling me that they want to buy my app. So the conversation happened and I sold off that startup, made some money from there. And that is where I realized that if solving problems is something that can make a livelihood for me, it is something that I duly like. And I had two choices at the end of my career. Either be an entrepreneur and coming from an upper middle class family, getting that, that amount of capital was not really easy for me so i heard about this book called inspired by marty kagan and i read about it and i heard about this field called product management obviously knowing nothing about it but then that was something of my heart's calling that if you solve user problems at scale that makes you happy that gives you fun and you're passionate about it why not and i moved into my first job in flipkart and that is where the fun started i saw Flipkart was already at that scale in 2015 when they were trying to build personalization, doing a lot of stuff. So I, so I, as an analyst, I spent a lot of time with PMs, how they think about user features, how they think about value, how they specifically design products and do stuff around it. And that is what got me going. Yeah. Since then, I have been in product management all my life and there's nothing more close to my heart probably than that. Yeah. That's just a very interesting input of what happened to me in terms of growing into product
1: management
4: yeah
1: Shavan, i really liked how you said it for all my life that is so sweet because i know how old you are so yeah. this is really cool because you're a young really budding starting of a product manager and so yeah. when you say that i feel so old but at the same time uh, a lot of vintage and experience uh, probably buys you something that uh, youth doesn't and at this point in time, I would love to know what did you think when you started off uh, looking at product managers and what they do and what was the real reality that you were faced with when you actually became one yourself Yeah. as, so, as a uh, young person?
3: Yeah, yeah. So what I really thought at the very first, it was product management was more like a stakeholder role. I never look could look into the inside part of product management, which is first principle thinking and how do you design products. So initially it was more like the the high of interacting with all of the teams and realizing that you are the cornerstone of the organization. There's a lot of focus on product managers. But eventually going through my career, I realized that product managers are very, very dispensable. What what they have to do specifically is move from the dispensable part to the indispensable part. And then again, from the indispensable to the dispensable part. What I mean by that is it's a three-step process. If PMs leave your company right now Probably nothing would change. Engineering would still work. Sales would still happen. So the dispensability part, dispensable part basically means what value do you add, right? And the value that you specifically add is putting yourself in the shoes of the user and trying to understand, is this what really the user wants? Is this something that will make his life really better? What I mean by that is something that makes your life better means that it really changes some impact in your life let me give a very very simple example around 10 years back or 15 years back whenever you used to buy a train ticket in india specifically you you would know that your father would wake up at four o'clock in the morning go to go to the railway station buy a tatkal ticket and more often than not he would either buy the ticket or he would we would not be able to get the ticket somebody in 2005 thought of that the internet is a scalable option. Why, why don't we streamline this process in 15 minutes? And he came up with IICTC. I'm not I'm not saying I'm a fan of IICTC, but then again, it improved the experience by 10x, where the same process, where you didn't have the certainty of getting a ticket, even by spending 10 hours in a line, could happen in 15 minutes. So that was something pretty interesting to me, that how does a company like Amazon, which is so horizontal, so wide can still provide a vertically deep experience and a personalized experience to a user like Shravan who where it actually knows that if Shravan is buying a t-shirt, he would probably buy a deodorant also. And that is when I realized that it's not really about stakeholder management. It's a part of it, but it's but it's fundamentally about thinking what small things can make a, can make a major impact for for someone in his life in any dynamic or any vertical. So Growing from Flipkart, I moved to a company called Blackbuck, where we were trying to solve transportation, which is something called Uber for trucks. It's a billion-dollar company now. We tried to understand that operationally, how do you specifically design availability, as well as the right pricing for the entire transportation industry, which is a $300 billion industry in India? How do you do that? And being a part of it, we could realize certain other aspects, which is like a tree, and that is when I, when it opened my eyes to product management to, to the very core, where I could understand that a problem is never simple. It's a non-deterministic solution. It's, an, it's a non-deterministic problem. It's not like a game of chess where you know the outcome is fixed. Product management is something that when you make a paradigm shift towards a problem which is non-deterministic and you reach to a solution, you get a flurry of more problems where you try to keep designing, keep evolving, keep evolving. That's something very similar to how how a civilization evolves. They reach to a solution, they move towards a better solution. And that is something that really inspired me because the passion to keep driving innovation in a particular field where it never stops also builds that amount of horizontal knowledge and knowledge, that curiosity, it keeps you passionate for life. And as they say, that happiness is when you when you do what you what you are really passionate about and you don't feel tired about it and that is what keep 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 drove it it, it keep, uh, kept driving me towards that aspect that why don't i solve a problem for a particular vertical why don't i look into deeper into that particular vertical why don't i horizontalize myself and keep doing experiments with my own life so that i drive the ltv as a product manager for myself and become a better thinker so the inside motivation was that product management is something which will help me evolve as a better thinker and keep me passionate about what I do and eventually solve problems for them. And that's what kept me going. And I kept exploring different industries where there were massive problems and specifically India, because we didn't have great products here at scale, to be very, very honest. Right. So that is what kept me here and kept looking at kept that fundamental of collective conscience that if Shravan can improve 10 things about probably 1,000 people in their lives, that amount of, that will amount to some amount of thought in their heads, so that they would try to improve 10 more things about 10,000 people in their lives, and it's like a trickle-down effect. So, that's the internal motivation, that how do you evolve as a thinker? How do you realize the fact that solving problems is not just about making some automation, it's about bringing happiness to people's lives. And I couldn't find any better way to do this than product management. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. That is a fascinating response, and it has been a fascinating uh, journey for sure. I think the last thing that you just said probably goes back to if Einstein said this or not, but he's quoted for it that compound, compound interest is probably the eighth genius of the world. So I'm assuming that's what you were referring to. If you can improve bit by bit, it will be a compounding effect. Uh, before Monica takes it forward with uh, Shavan, I just wanted to reset the room. So I wanted everybody in the room, I hope the context is set and you're enjoying this conversation, would request you to ping in your network if they find this, if they even find this relevant. At the same time, if you're new into the room, welcome. Do follow the club, the Asian Super Supermovers, which is led by Monica, Mushir and me. And we do different AMAs. Shavan is one which is being done by Monica on product management. At the same time, if you would like, if you have any comments, any questions, do raise your hand. Be ready in 15-20 minutes. We will be taking up questions with Shravan. And you can follow us on our Telegram as well as Twitter pages. And all that, all that information is on the club's description. Over to you, Monica.
1: Thank you so much, Priti. Shravan, this is absolutely engrossing. Like I was lost for a bit. I was listening to you so intently. I lost track of time. Thank you, Priti, for stepping in. I absolutely didn't remember the flow of thought. So you're a brilliant speaker as well. Love it. So coming to my next question, uh, Shravan, this is something because, by the way, uh, we get a lot of questions on our club. And especially with me, a lot of people just ask the very basic question. How do you get into product management? What is growth? What is growth as a PM? What is a growth PM? What does a growth PM do? We would love if you would tell us what a day in your life looks like and how do you define growth given that's what you do day in, day out.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I think fundamentally growth specifically means, for me, it is about how organically something improves in your life, right? And it is, I have always felt that as a human if you if you like a certain thing you would enjoy that process of it right the process of it it itself drives you towards a particular goal it's not the goal that excites you right so for me growth was always that specifically how do i do something which is so intently close to the life of the user so that eventually he enjoys that experience and wants to repeat that experience again and again again and again again and again that's what you call retention it's not about doing something which effectively the user is forced to do or something like that, but rather understanding the psychology of the user and trying to understand that this is something that would really add value to him, whether he knows it about or he doesn't know it about. And that is the job of a PM. And that is specifically what we try to understand as product managers. That's where we need help of user researchers, That that's where we need help of designers, because a single guy cannot do specifically all that. And I've What collective conscience, to to be very honest, means, basically, Shraman independently can't do anything. I have a great team of designers with me. I have a great team of PMs with me who effectively understand those user problems and try to understand what will bring curiosity at the very core in a person so that effectively he's able to take a particular step, which not only adds value, but helps him enjoy that process so to give a very simple example i've always thought of products as a toy and a game the game is specifically it's like football you the goal is the outcome that you want to deliver a certain goal but if the person doesn't enjoy the process of playing with the ball which is the toy then there's no point then there's no point it will always be a transactional thing and the user would never use the product and typically a a very good growth-centric product always focuses on the product, la- differentiating the service layer from the product layer. And that is where we also come in. Education products, if you look at content across the internet, it's humongous content across the internet. But why do people choose brands like Baiju's or for that matter, any other brand for that matter? The reason is the process of enjoying learning, which is very easy to say, but very hard to do, right? So as a growth PM, it is all about knowing that those nuances, those insights, that this is the one thing that ticks to the user, and then moving on to the next thing. For a, For a typical growth PM, what my day typically goes around is, we ideate a lot, we try to understand, we brainstorm a lot, and we spend a lot of time, I think. Majority of the time before we design any features, 60-70% of the time goes on the fact that how do we think about features? Mo- more than features, how do we think about the articulated or inarticulated needs of the user? And if that is something that you really understand, then you take an experimentative step. The right experiment design, that is what really matters for a growth PM specifically. Because growth is something that is very, 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 very cursory for a growing company. What I mean by that is specifically in startups, it's something like, if you don't grow, you die. It's as simple as that. So the role slightly differentiates itself from a typical PM role. I'll tell you why. The reason is because in a a company like Microsoft, you might want to build a product which might take an year long to effectively come out to a root solution. Like Photoshop was never released with just five five specific features. It was always a complete product, right? Right and focused on a particular persona. But as a growth PM, we cannot do that. We have to do simultaneously cursory experiments to understand that this is the next best thing, this is the next best thing. And you keep identifying and you keep iterating on those experiments. For me, it has always been that in the last six years. Understanding an industry takes a lot of time. So you cannot sit on your toes And specifically think that for six months, you would understand a certain dynamic of the industry, but rather you would try to understand the core of the principles like you always say there are certain fundamentals, which always keep the clock ticking, right. So that is something that a growth PM fundamentally does. He tries to understand the next best nuance which will drive the experience organically. And I focus on the word organically is because it is an experience which the user wants to have, whether he knows about it or he doesn't know about it. The second best part of, of the question that you asked me is how do people move into product management? This is a very interesting question and I've spoken across it in multiple talks where I said, I've always said the best way to beat someone or to move ahead in life is to play on acumen. If you find more often than not, the process of getting into product management for people is just to showcase their resume. And there will be always guy who will who will have a better resume. There will be always people who will have hundred times better resumes than me. But what what a company or for a what a particular product product specific org wants is not specifically somebody who is very good on a resume, but how the person thinks. So I typically tell people that like developers have their own portfolios. PMs have, their uh, uh, designers have their own portfolios. PMs should also have their own portfolios. It does three things. One, specifically, whenever you want to apply to a company, if you think of a problem for them and you design a product, a solution for them, it might not be the right solution and you send it across with your resume. It tells the first thing that you're very passionate you've already understood the problem and you tried to solve a problem which was important to them without even them asking for it. So it drives the first aspect that it's passion. The second thing, fundamentally, that the person would look like is that he gets to know that Shravan thinks like this. He thinks of the solution like this. Now, the balance is not on the resume, but also on the acumen of the person. And the third part is whether you get a rejection or you get a positive, or, or you get a positive response. It helps you improve as a thinker that where did I go wrong? Because if you've invested that amount of effort, more often than not, you will get a feedback. And you keep doing that process again and again. I keep telling people the best way to become a PM is to by, by doing it. There is no certification. There is no particular process. There is no framework that will help develop first principle thinking, but rather solving problems on their own. What I used to do for me, whenever I used to, See, I very out of curiosity, I used to go there and just enjoy the process of interviewing with companies and trying to understand what what they want of me, what they think of me, what exactly do they mean by product management. So the best way to to do this is design a portfolio for yourself, showcase that portfolio across and keep doing that process without really thinking that whether you get into a PM role or you don't get into a PM role. The moment your process, your, your thought process becomes structured enough that you can filter out. Out of the 100 odd ideas into three specific ideas, which are at the core of growth, you would be able to move into any org specifically. It, it is not necessarily, it cannot, can't be Google, it can't be Microsoft, it can be any damn org. It's just about where your mental acumen has specifically reached. So make a portfolio for yourself. Keep doing, keep iterating this process. And the second part that I would very, very avidly focus on is do constraint writing. Constraint writing also helps you achieve one very important aspect for a PM is because whenever you go to an interview, it's not about what you have. It's about what you can bring for the table for that particular person. And if, if in the first one or two minutes, he completely doesn't understand that this is specifically what he wants. This is what you can bring the, bring on the table for him. He would lo- lose interest. He, do- he doesn't know you. He's not your relative. He would he would ideally want to understand what is he bringing on the table right? So if you have 100 thoughts, and if you can culminate those thoughts into three specific thoughts, which add value for him, that can only happen when you do constrained writings. Why do I write on LinkedIn? There are two specific motives. One is to create a brand. Second, to understand that, can I put my a particular entire concept into 1300 characters and make it so engaging that it delivers value, as well as it helps people understand that concept with a certain sense of emotion and a certain sense of happiness. So create a portfolio, do constraint writing and solve problems, whichever seem appealing to you. If you repeat this process for six months and you reflect reflect back, trust me, you are going to be a very different person, not necessarily as a PM, but as a thinker. Yeah.
1: Most amazing, Shavan. This is an absolute great checklist for anybody who wants to break into product management and more importantly, wants to become a better product manager. There couldn't have been a better checklist than this for anyone. We see a lot of questions already with hands being raised up. So I'm going to do this, which is pull up a few people on stage and uh, this will be the next three people. And then I will again turn hand raising off for a little bit until we can get through the next list of questions and we'll again turn hand raising on in the next couple of minutes. So just p- bringing the people up on stage. And before I do that and uh, ask everybody to bounce their questions off to Shavan directly, wanted to welcome Mushir who is the co-founder along with Prithish and myself of Asian Digital Supermovers and is a FinTech influencer. Uh, very glad to have Mushir on board. Thank you Mushir for joining us.
5: looking forward to the question is shown
1: quite interesting uh, all that I've been able to hear so far thank you for joining us thank you and uh, Sukar- Sukarma and March, please go ahead with your questions in order but I'll request Sukarma to go first please tell us a little bit about yourself ask the question and uh, we'll request you to keep it short because we have about 60 minutes so we have a lot of ground to cover thank you Sukarma, Sukarma for coming on stage go ahead
6: uh, thank you thank you Monica thanks a lot for this opportunity Hi Shravan, hi Pratish. So Shravan, I I listened to what you said about product management, and I am myself an aspiring PM. So I have six years of work work experience in IT industry, mainly IT consulting, and now I want to transition into a like a PM role. So like any advice for? me someone who is you know who who wants to utilize those six years of experience so I started off as a programmer and then moved into business analyst roles and I have worked on various projects so how I can you know leverage my experience and present myself a suitable candidate for a for a PM role in big tech companies or any startup any advice or any tips on that
3: thank you sure sure so Sukarma, I think the process is very simple. I have outlined that process to you. Whatever your background is, it has to add to your advantage. What I mean by that is, whenever you apply to a company, make a checklist of like 10 odd companies that these are the 10 odd companies where I want to move in, right? So do some research about the company and try to identify what problems in that particular company might be very relevant to them. Now, using that specific skill set, whatever you have, whether it's business analyst, whether it's data science, whether it's IT, whether it's computer, whether whether it's coding or programming, try to pick up that problem and try to identify that how big the problem is and try to do a case study on that problem without them even asking about it. And whenever you send across your resume, more often than not, if the, the, the scrutiny of resume is 1 to 100. Right. They you they hundred resumes for a one PM role because PM roles are very sparse and specifically they're very specialized, right? So I would advise that if you know a specific vertical where you have familiarity to, pick up 10 odd good companies, invest some effort in trying to solve problems for them and put across your resume with that problem. And it's a document. Send across that document that this is, I think, might be very relevant and pertaining to you. And why don't you take a look? Why don't you take a look? Simultaneously, what I I would want you to do is, Hmm. the second step that I said is that start writing because feedback is very paramount to a PM. Whatever your thoughts are, the best way to create opportunities for yourself is to create an inbound rather than an outbound. What I mean by that is, if you think of portals or specific places as job-seeking opportunities, yeah, there is a 2% or a 3% chance they would look at your resume if it stands out. But if you go on a social platform, what's the value of a social platform? The value is mm-hmm. that if you put across your thoughts, whether you give ne- get negative responses or you get positive responses, you try to derive feedback from them. And try to understand how, how do you modify your content because this will tell The recruiters on that particular platform, I'm specifically talking about on LinkedIn, this is how Sukarma thinks. Hmm. Post your case study over there, get feedback, try to improve and keep doing this process. If you have done it for six years, take six months for yourself or probably three months for yourself and try to do those case studies again and again, again and again and try to build that kind of portfolio for yourself but simultaneously try to create a brand for yourself and get feedback from the relevant people. What will happen eventually is you would be able to get that inbound that your profile seems interesting, right? Your content seem, it seems interesting. Is this how you think? Can we do an exploratory call with you? Can we try to understand how did you do this case study specifically? And the moment your brand takes you from an outbound resource for looking for a job to an inside inbound opportunity, you would see the value of improving as a thinker improving putting efforts as driving those case studies and also improving as how you put across your thoughts across to people so that (coughs) people understand this is your thought process so Mm -hmm. i would ideally say any certification any book would help you but the best way to do it is to experience it
4: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: pick any problem it can be designing a solution for pets Mm
4: -hmm.
3: how do you design a better solution for pets as simple as that and then look at the market size. What does the product manager do? Look, Looks at the problem, tries to see how big is the problem, tries to understand the core levers and tries to find solutions for them which might be optimal, might not be optimal and tries to give up pros and cons. That's the best that you have to do. It's not like writing code where you'll find bugs or something. It's just about how you put across your thoughts so that people listen to it. People have to listen to it. If you don't create noise, it is not going to come back to you. So you have to create noise that way. So my best advice to you is start solving problems, start doing case studies, start not necessarily start doing freelance projects. That's absolutely fine. But simultaneously put it across to an audience because if you're doing it for yourself, you might get feedback from a close set of people. I want it specifically to go to public and public can give you 90% negative feedback, but that's good for you. Yeah.
6: Yeah, that, that's that is that's some that is something that you know I get very like I feel that people will say negative things or maybe my solution will sound stupid. So does it doesn't
3: really matter. Doesn't really matter. What what I mean by that is see, one thing that I will tell you in life, if you enjoy the process of what you're doing, if you are if you are fixated on the outcome, then you never become a great PM. The point is that becoming a PM is not the goal. The goal is to specifically enjoy that process. A painter doesn't paint a painting just because he wants to do a Van Gogh. He paints it because he likes the process. So you have mm-hmm. to become a PM because you effectively enjoy that process. So if you really enjoy that process, any negative thought is going to give you motivation. It's not going to take you down. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so so, please, please start writing. I tell it to everyone it won't hurt it's absolutely fine in more often if you go through my posts i get so many responses where uh, where people say this is not relevant this is not right fair enough i got another perspective fair enough that's absolutely True. fine yeah so do that and i trust me within 6 months you would see a drastic shift in your thought process and simultaneously you'll get a lot of opportunities build a portfolio start writing that's it and Bring humor in yourself. Humor is the best way to de-stress. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Shravan.
3: Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Sukarma. Uh, Tarun, you're next. Tell us a little bit about yourself and shoot your question to Shravan.
7: Sure, guys. Hi, everyone. Hi, Shravan. Actually, I just stumbled upon this group. I'm actually based out of California, Bay Area to be specific. And in a formal life, Well, I'm still a sort of an engineer who decided to start his own podcast in the COVID situation. I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. It's uh, more specifically in the crypto space. So, but I do come from that design thinking product background. So when I was in the room and Sherwin was talking, so I thought of staying and like uh, just get on stage and ask a few questions, you know, which are relevant to, I think, his experience and and also my my experience in this uh, this space so so yeah so i would like to ask shravan shravan what did, in your experience so far in product and otherwise launching a startup and uh, getting acquired which which time did you uh, enjoyed the most and why like in terms of you know i see working for a big company where the scale is there all sorts of revenue is there and that sort of a thing compared to where you're constrained in a startup and have limited resources, your creativity comes, you know, more across. So, just would like to hear uh, that from you. I think I think Tarun, both are very very different experiences.
3: When you do things at scale, it gives you a very kind of a very big plethora of doing experiments and PMs like experiments. We would like to do a multitude of experiments to understand what 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 went wrong what went right so you have you don't you you have that runway to free away with some sort of ideas which not not might not be that brilliant but give you immense feedback very early right but while you're in a startup when you're very constrained you specifically have to focus on the fact that this can be a make or break so for me i was all i've always been a zero to one guy or Probably 1 to 10 is something that I'm trying to do now. But 0 to 1 has been very, very specific to me because I consider myself a builder. So for me, it has been a very great experience in doing the startup by myself or uh, working in smaller companies where I can scale revenue, scale the product better. Because at that, at that moment, you have to really think out of your box. And because if one step goes wrong or if your SEO strategy goes wrong, your GDM goes wrong, if your product experience has one breakage in the flow, you might lose your entire user base. So for me, it has been very, very, I would always be part of something which is rapidly growing, rapidly growing then then at a state which where they become incumbents. I definitely understand the pros of being in a global company where there is scale, where you do experiments. But the point is the chain of hierarchy is something that comes in and simultaneously, the experiment leeway also takes a lot of time. So for specifically for me, I'm very passionate. I'm very curious. For me, it's fast iterative feedback. And that is how I would always want people to be. And what specifically excites me more is that when there is when there are constraints and there are smart people in the room, you more often than not come up with very innovative ideas. So yeah. Oh, for me okay. that
7: Sure. So sorry. So yeah. So it seems like you are a startup guy, which is good. Yeah. And just to add to it, and quickly, I'll I'll give the mic to March. Is uh, so I'm in crypto space. If you would have noticed, or maybe not, is so I I got the pleasure of interviewing the you know BitTorrent founder, founder of BitTorrent, and 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 bunch of other top folks, and so that was a really high time for me starting my podcast and getting sponsors. So it's it's going good, and you know wanted. It's also geared towards Southeast Asia. So there's all different dynamics to it, how you measure, you know, all the metrics, all the uh, KPIs are totally slightly different than, you know, web application, although I would say engagement levels and those sorts of things are pretty much the same. But, you know, when I look at the crypto space in general, I see Hmm. the product model being flipped around totally in, in reverse because, right now it is such a new space and perhaps you you will also like it is is it, it, the metrics are just building up the frameworks are just coming up and there is no way to directly measure an audience like you have indirect ways because everything is on blockchain transactional and a lot of the projects remain privacy they are very, very big user privacy advocates so I, I don't know if you have thoughts on that otherwise it's fine I don't want to march.
1: Yeah. Uh, hey Tarun, may I suggest that we bring uh, up this question in so, so. another uh, related yeah. room that we'll be doing on crypto? Okay. So, yeah,
7: you know, no problem. But uh, no, thanks, thanks for answering my question.
4: Thanks, Tarun. Yeah. March, over to you. Okay. Thank you, Monica. First of all, hello to everyone, to all the moderators, and to Shravan. I think you really raised a lot of great points earlier with your with your backstories and how you uh, are about your journey in product product management right so my professional background is in project management in one of the leading global financial services uh, a bank here in, in manila and just thinking about how you talked about having that passion and finding joy in the experience that is something very important to you right so i'm just curious like what are the what tools do you find useful in identifying those experiences or uh, how do you go about, you know, distilling all of the ideas that you that you have from all of this experience, or from the feedback that you are getting um, from clients?
3: Understood. Understood. Okay. Thank you. So, yeah. So, March, that's a very interesting question. The thing is that what eventually, what essentially, I want to understand is what the user is liking or not. Right. That's the best way to find value. So. Give, give me a, Let me give you a very simple example. If you want to buy milk, right? And the milk shop is two kilometers away from or, or two miles away from your home, you would definitely not enjoy that experience, right? But on the contrary, if there is a service which delivers milk to you at seven in the morning at the time that you want, you would definitely enjoy that experience. So this is a physical experience that I'm talking about, right? Now, if I can, in the digital space, which is very global, try to understand that what experiences can really, really improve the life of the user through any of the tools, which can be digital analytics tools, which can be specifically doing the right experiment design on a control group and try to derive value and looking at the right metrics. That's why I always keep focusing about three things, right design, right experiment, right metrics. So these Mm -hmm. three things, if you keep consistently focusing on, you will come out with very great insights that this is something that's behind the lines and you can tie them to experiences where you call something called the happiness quotient, that this is the happiness quotient because experiences which bring delight, they grow organically. This is a fundamental truth of life. Something that you like, like a food that you like, you would never stop stop eating it unless and until there's a health problem or some some other constraint. (laughs) if, 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 If there's ice cream that you like, you would eventually keep eating it because that's an experience that keeps you happy, happy, happy. So on a digital scale, that's what product managers do. We try to find insights which improve the happiness quotient of the user. And they keep doing that experience again and again, again and again, again and again. Whenever you want to try to probably move to another country, you are probably want to do a flight ticket. You probably use Skyscanner because it's, it's a great experience for you, right? So yeah. or, or you, you you use Airbnb, you don't use any of the other, other portals anymore. So design thinking goes eventually to the aspect of value creation. And value creation comes from another deep-rooted word, which is compassion. Compassion basically means thinking for people outside yourself dynamic. And and compassion can only come from when you can look at other people's happiness. So the intangible becomes tangible becomes more tangible at value and tangible, then becomes even more tangible, quantitatively tangible at metrics. So a great PM would look at all of these three things, right design, right experiment, right metrics, and tie it back to the most intangible thing, which eventually is the most tangible thing, which people resort to know. Yeah. So that's how we try to do digital experiments and come up with. So at now in Baidu's, we might be doing like 20 odd experiment across 15 odd products currently yeah and try to derive insights from them yeah, yeah
4: that's just awesome okay thank you
3: yeah most welcome
5: thank you marge Resetting the room so we have been running asia digital boomers club for a few weeks now our objective is to bring thought leaders like shravan to not only come and talk about their careers but also give real world insights on their specialities. we focus on three major rooms one focused on product which monica is running now the other one focused on venture building and growth which Pritish runs and one on defi and fintech which i run on uh, mondays and tuesdays uh, Pritish's room is going to be tomorrow where we will be having one second i need to be up to date on this but one second to make sure i get the names right uh, we'll having daman sony who has been with milk basket Mobi quick wheat cash line etc and currently at both they'll be talking about building growth teams At 10 a.m. India time, 12.30 p.m. Hong Kong, Singapore time. Please join our uh, communities on on Telegram as well as on our uh, Twitter and uh, LinkedIn profiles. Our Twitter and LinkedIn are both AD Super Movers, So AD for Asia Asia Digital. So follow us there and ping in your friends. Monica is going to continue asking the questions. Ping in your friends to join us for the conversation here and uh, follow the mods and the speaker for staying update on the events and rooms we run and joining us for interesting conversations so back to you monica to continue the conversation with shaman
1: thank you so much mushir and uh, before we proceed i have the hands uh, raising option turned off i'll be turning it back on promise in about 15 minutes from now we will be going over time but we are receiving a lot of questions so i want to be able to make sure that we are able to go through our own list of questions before we bring others onto the stage. So keep your questions ready. We will open the hand-raising option by 12 p.m. Indian Standard Time. So back to Shravan. Shravan, this was a good segue into my next question uh, because you worked across a uh, a series of businesses which absolutely are in different verticals and spaces. Do you believe that uh, PM skills are transferable? and if so then what is the best way to be able to develop skills that make you absolutely indispensable to any kind of organization
3: yeah so i think pm skills if you, if you if you look at it very very fundamentally they are the same so it's it's not really about being transferable or not it's just about verticals are different spaces of looking at problems differently pm skills eventually resolve from the only difference between a problem solver and a product manager why are these two different words is because we try to solve problems at scale that that's specific to additional words at scale and that can only happen when specifically you try to look at funda- fundamental problems like how do you look at the first principle that how do you how do you effectively see that in upi how do you specifically why why were why was there never a solution like a like upi earlier that the op solutions were not there or if if you look at ola or uber Eventually, they are just spreadsheets, right? But doing them the same variables at scale makes it insanely hard. Insanely hard. So I think definitely skills eventually are, are transferable. What I mean by transferable is they are similar skills. So if, you are, if you're a person with a fundamental thought process, if you invest deep enough to understand what the business is, what they're trying to solve for, what's the problem like, and then eventually boil it down to the core functional levers of the business, that's it. that's exactly what you have to do. And yes, I would definitely say that knowledge of the vertical helps because if you're building something like an enterprise SaaS product and if you don't come from a tech background, it's going to be difficult, definitely difficult, but it's not impossible. The reason why I'm saying is because eventually user, user values, eventually behavioral value. What I mean by behavioral value is even for a developer using something like Postman, it's a behavioral value that he likes the product and eventually it makes it happy. It makes him happy. And that's that's why he specifically uses the the product for whatever value that he wants to derive from. So yeah. So for me, it has been a very, very seamless journey. Whenever I went into an industry, the first 90 days, it was definitely knowing about the industry, what's the core problem. But eventually when I understood the core levels of the problem and more often than not, I have always said this, the most complicated system that works eventually comes from a very simple system that works. That is something that, that a law that I, and Feniman also repeated the same thing, right? Eventually whatever complex system that you see, it has evolved from a very simple system. So what that fundamentally means is that in any vertical, whatever type of product that you're trying to make boils down to a very few core product levers, which you need to understand. And if as a PM, you can do that very quickly, you would be able to adapt to the vertical very very fast so yeah that's that's i think that's the best answer that i could have told you and that is the reason i have been moved across like five odd industry in the last six years and it has been great yeah
1: great Shravan, and tell me one product that you actually look at and you wonder, how was it built? How was it created? What could I have done differently? Because you talked about a lot of of case studies that aspiring PMs can do, even for somebody who is experienced in the space. What do you look at in a product and how do you evaluate what has been done? And do you feel a little bit of uh, jealousy when you see some products that you really admire?
3: Yes, I do. So one of the products that I really like is Duolingo. Duolingo is a language learning product. I'm sure most of the people would be aware of. They've built an insanely crazy product because the entire joy, the the usage of imagery, the usage of... Because language learning is something that people typically thought of might be something that... In India, it might be something that it's okay. It's not something that I really need. But they made it as a product. When 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 you effectively try to do a single lesson on the product, you feel like a toy the kind of the use of imagery the use of appreciation the usage the, the the use of specifically motivational quotients the use the usage of gamification in the product it's just insane and if you keep continue doing it they have insane retentions like 70 80 90 percent retentions and i have always felt that if i ever got the opportunity to work and do du- duolingo i would love to do that even though i had a consulting opportunity with them but then again that is something that I truly admire. Another product that I duly admire is Intercom. People think of Intercom as a chat product, but it's not a chat product. It's a horizontal service here. If you think of Intercom as a chat product, that's the, that's the beauty of the product, that the interface is so simple that anybody would think of it that it's another chat product. But once you start using it, the depth of vertical integration that they have done in the product and so seamlessly they have done it that you would not even realize that, oh, I, I can... I am able to do this also. And this is just the right the right next step in the process. So that is something that I truly admire. These two products are something that I've really looked up to. And if you talk about any Indian product, Ixigo is a great product. Ixigo as a product, I like what Alok has done with it. The seamlessness, the beauty of how you do a flight ticket, how you do a web check-in, how you do cancellations. I've never seen that amount of personalization and that amount of seamless UX In in products as of now. So, yeah, these three products are something that I've always looked up to. So, I always feel jealous that I couldn't work in any of the three places. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wonderful to hear that, Shavan. And I'm sure somebody is listening. So, who knows (laughs) what's coming up next? Would be wonderful. But we are running out of time and I have a lot of questions to ask you, but I'm going to come to my favorite question of them all because you mentioned a couple of times already. And personally, The way I got to know about you was through LinkedIn. I absolutely love reading your posts. Sometimes I have to control my chuckles. I'm glad I'm working from home so people can't see me laughing. Otherwise, they would think I've gone crazy. But I love your LinkedIn posts, especially because they are truthful and they talk about a side of product management. I don't think people want to read. It's one of the celebrated careers. It suddenly got a lot of mainstream attention, but people don't realize what it takes to be a good one, let alone become one. So, uh, Shavan, I wanted to talk about your journey into becoming an influencer and given the whole content creation economy and the focus on all of us becoming content creators, just tell us what worked for you, what hasn't and what has the journey been like? Because people assumed you became an overnight success, getting thousands of likes. But I'm sure this didn't happen overnight. Please tell us more.
7: Yeah.
3: So I think for me, it was more like when I, when I was working in my fourth company and I realized that product product management doesn't happen the way the way how people think in the West. It's not really like that. I haven't seen that because there are a lot of constraints. The Indian ecosystem is different. The user ecosystem is different. The user majority is different. So at that point of time, it was very stressful for me to understand that why this gap is there and why are we shelling out content, which might lead you to a job, but eventually would lead unhappiness in the job because you're not doing what you read, right? So I thought, what's the best way to put across so that i can give value to people and also help them understand that this is what they should expect of a job but not at the same time leave behind the core fundamental aspects of product management so there's a very famous show somebody recommended me long time back 5 6 years back which is seinfeld and i watched the show for the first time the nine seasons and i really like the show i really like the show i i saw how jerry seinfeld used to do observational comedy but Second time I repeated the seasons, what I realized from the beauty of it is Jerry became famous for this very concept of observational comedy, that how in situations you you can derive humor from it and still put across the thought very seamlessly. And that is where when my mindset changed, I said that if these situations happen so much, right, why don't I derive humor humor out of it and humor won't hurt anyone, right? So, I did this experiment as a product manager and I told you the best product is yourself, your thinking itself. So I started this experiment that instead of writing about probably startups, probably about what you should do in product management, what you shouldn't do in product management, let's do the flip side. Let's show them what is actually happening and put it in a way that you can still derive value. And I started this experiment, kept doing it, kept doing it. Slowly and steadily, slowly and steadily, people started noticing because they could really relate to it that yes, dude, this is happening with me. This is truly happening with me. And I've got so many LinkedIn DMs that this is actually happening with me. How did you know about it? It's it's like serendipity. Like they would say, You just read my mind. You just read my mind. The reason is because more often than not, the culture that imbibes in an ecosystem permeates because it's the same amount of the same set of people who are looking for those kind of jobs or the kind of people. And this is the same thought process that permeates down the pyramid. So I tried to put across that truth in that form of humor so that they could actually learn from it, but also realize that this is the practical application and this is how you derive from it. And second, humor also helps you de-stress. So in a lot of situations when I had to put forward my thoughts, it also gives the ability to actually... Understand what the other person is saying. Whenever you put across your thoughts as somebody who's a leader, because more often than not, in Ogs, people think product managers are bosses of people or the CEO of the product, how they term it, which I completely disagree with. So so there's a very famous quote which somebody told me is that sometimes the best way to gain control is to give control. So that is where the thought came from that if you really respect the other individual and derive humor from it and put that humor as part of your life. And observe every situation and try to understand it from an aspect that where it brings value as well as happiness to the other person the other stakeholder as well as towards you it would be it is something that's a global experiment that you can do and i started doing that experiment and i kept doing that kept doing that and it gave results that's something and now i firmly believe that this is something that i should do and keep continue doing because truth can hurt once but Yan never adds value unless it has application. Everything that we do in our life is experience-based learning. experience based learning. If you don't have if you don't have experience of it, it's a belief system and belief systems can change very rapidly. But if there is an experience which you have al- already ha- which has happened with you and you read about the same, then you relate to it and then you believe into it. And once you believe into it, it also adds value to your life. And that is why, why people come to me and they say that you helped me get a job maybe directly or indirectly. It is just because I spoke the truth, but probably in a funny manner. That's
4: it.
1: And I'm glad you do because all of us really enjoy the posts and we love reading about the real truth about what makes us or breaks us as a PM every day. It's very hard uh, to tell people what we really do and most people still confuse us as project managers. So I'm glad that you're raising attention and awareness of what we actually do. And of course, in a humorous way. So we all enjoy it, including people like me. So absolutely love it. So I've opened back hand-raising again for everyone. So please do raise your hands and come in. But I'm going to go to the last part of my series. Shravan, the questions will not stop. But I have a quick rapid fire. So are you ready?
2: Yes,
3: yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Go ahead.
1: Awesome. So before we do that, a quick reset of the room. We're talking to Shavantiku from Baidus. He's a growth PM and a growth leader. He is a LinkedIn influencer and we've been talking to him for the last 60 minutes and it's been the most exciting 60 minutes of great learning and of course, exciting questions came up from the audience as well. So if you wanted to join us, please do by raising uh, your hands and coming up on stage. If you are in a place where you're not able to uh, speak because of background noise, but you wanted to still ask a question. You can do that by going to uh, Twitter and uh, AD Supermovers and asking your question there. And I'll address it here with Shravan. Or you could join our telegram group and... uh Post the question there. Also, if you haven't already followed uh, our club, please do that by clicking on Asian Digital Supermovers at the top of the page and clicking on Follow. Give the mods a follow and also the speaker so that you can hear all the great content from them when they go live. As Clubhouse notifications continue to, you know, become a little awry. Uh, We just want to ensure that you get notifications for uh, such exciting rooms that we are hosting. Also, if you wanted to ping in your friends, you could do that by clicking on the plus button at the bottom of your screens. If anybody would be interested in asking a question to Shravan for the last uh, segment of this particular conversation, then this is the right time. And please ping them in. So Shravan, over to the rapid fire. So quick yes and no or very, very quick answers like work from home or hate it.
3: Hate it. I am a people's person. I would love to work with people. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Audio, social, uh, media platforms, will they survive? Yes or no?
3: They should, but for a limited audience. Hmm.
1: Social validation via LinkedIn likes and shares, are they important to you?
3: Yes, to a certain extent, because it gives me the understanding of whether people really derive value from it or not.
1: Next question, writing a great PRD or getting user feedback, what is most valuable to you?
3: I think getting getting user feedback, you, cannot, you can never write a perfect PRD, but getting user feedback is very important, that's paramount, yeah. Next question,
1: your mantra to keep you sane in cross-functional collaborations where you're going absolutely mad handling such large teams and where nobody listens to you because you have no authority?
3: Observational comedy, <laughs> as simple as that.
1: Lovely. Books or blogs or podcasts, what works best for you?
3: Always a book person. I have a large collection of books, hit me up for recommendations. Yeah.
1: Nice. The book that changed your life?
3: Bhagavad Gita, any day.
1: Yes, I see that. And last question, your ideal product company is?
3: Mm, There are many, but if I would say I would love to work for a futuristic company, so probably Tesla.
1: Lovely. Absolutely Lovely. wonderful. And this was the easiest rapid fire as well because your questions were honest and transparent. I don't have a hamper to give you, but maybe in due course we will. But you absolutely win it hands down. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks a lot.
1: Hi, Majdi. Welcome.
2: Hi, Monica. Hi, British. Hi, Mushir. I'm really glad that you have just such a inspiring and amazing gentleman as Shravan. I have a question for you, Shravan. Yeah. I have visited the website that you're currently taking over right now, which is by Bygis, which is in education. Yeah. And my question directly is here in Saudi Arabia, uh, mm. I'm from Saudi Arabia by the way. It's an untapped market. Yeah. And the the growth rate for such a product that you are making right now in India is the sky is the limit for it. Yeah, so we have a peer here in Saudi Arabia, and recently they have gone through a successful series A round, which is Noon Academy. And now I they know about uh, you know, I know about them. The, yeah. yeah. So, my question is would you consider like make uh coming and and doing something business in Saudi Arabia in regard to uh, something similar to Bajas, but with a more localized content? Thank you for your time.
3: Yeah. So I think that's a very interesting question. We would definitely look into the market penetration. And I, I definitely believe that Saudi Arabia is an untapped market. I've looked at Noon. Noon, they're doing good work. I actually had the uh, fortune, uh, the opportunity to meet the founder of Noon, and he's a very charismatic guy. So I think that they, they, they do great work, but there are some regulations around it. And we are definitely focused on Right now in India, we have not even penetrated probably 20% of the entire market, entire segment. So there's a lot of vertical integration that's happening. Plus, from a pricing standpoint, I think the untapped markets in the US and as well as some of the South, South American markets currently look more lucrative. But definitely, it is going to be a global economy. And in, in the next few years, we definitely see moving to more major markets like Saudi Arabia and other places. So that
2: is going to happen for sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Majdi, for your question. Rashim, you're next. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and then bounce your question off, Shravan. Hey, Rashim. You need to to unmute unmute yourself. yourself.
5: Right while Rashim figures out his mic. He has a party hat on, so he's new to Clubhouse, so maybe trying to figure things out. Rashem, you need to unmute for us to hear you. If you're not able to uh, unmute and join us, we will come back to you in a little while. Uh, Shaman, while we wait for Rashem, I had a quick question, right? One of the things I have been looking at is about how products are being built for different ages, right? Um, A lot of modern-day technology uh, or startups focus a lot on millennials and the young Gen Z, however, when it comes to looking at somebody who is 50 plus, there's not as much focus. And many, you know, people who are at an older age first aren't as comfortable with technology as say the digital natives are. And secondly, they struggle a lot. Like I, I, I look at my mom; uh, she's got her iPad disabled two times now. Right? She had a little issue with Google Pay, and did not know how to handle things. And the only way I can help her is I'm right next to her sorting things out. And I know this is not just the case with my mom, but it's the case with a lot of other parents and those who are there. So I want to know your take on uh, how, I won't use the term inclusive, but how are people looking at building products for, a, you know, across demographics? Are people even looking at 50 plus as a demographic or even a persona while building products?
3: Yep. Uh, Mushil that's a great question actually it is a very similar question for building products for very young kids or on or, or an audience of very old audience so definitely this is something that hasn't been untapped into hasn't been tapped into but definitely there are startups which are like I know a startup in Pune called seniority which is trying to build products for old age people and they have very very different specifications around it because the user maturity coupled with the user value has to be in tandem so there are some startups which are doing it but i think it's still 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 time where, where we figure out problems for the aging the the young population in india specifically a very young population which is coming to the internet and there there thereby we are we are primarily focused on the age group of 20 to 50 where building for bharat becomes the next big thing but Going forward, I am hundred percent sure as as we evolve as a nation, as the GDP, as as the per capita income improves, there is going to be value, and there are certain products which people are getting accustomed to, and eventually, as horizontal integration takes place, where people become more <coughs> aware of digital economies and usage of digital products, it is going to happen that you would try to you would see variants of products, or probably platformization of products, which will be across multiple age groups that is going to happen like you see that in education f- from 1 to 25 you would definitely see that for some other vertical from 25 to 50 or 50 to 50 plus that is definitely going to happen yeah but i am not sure whether it is the right time because there is, it is there is a lot of scope to uh, be vertically grow in the segment which is going growing very rapidly which is the millennial audience yeah.
5: got it thank you yeah. rasham have you been able to figure out
8: yeah yeah, yeah yeah Clearly, I'm very new to Clubhouse. Hi, everyone. First of all, thanks for inviting for for hosting this event, and thanks, uh, shavan for for those insights about PM. I'm I'll try to keep it very short. I'm a student. I'm an MBA student. I'm right now working as a product management intern uh, intern as uh, in a company which is focused toward B two B space. Shavan, you talked about reading this book, Inspired. Coincidentally, I'm also reading this book and. Marty talks a lot about this product discovery process. I just wanted to know how to go about this in a continuous manner in a B2B company and how to do it alongside if you are, let's say, if you are scaling into different countries as well. So how to go about uh, doing this alongside with scaling your product as well?
3: I think, Rasham, the, the same way product discovery happens through a lot of, initially, The first feedback should be qualitative feedback, right? That what exactly? The only difference between a B2C or a B2B product is the scale of value that you want to bring across because B2B dynamics changed because it it, it typically affects an org, right? And an org level decision has to permeate. You have to think about it as that it is one lever that you're changing versus one small user where the behavior is changing. So product discovery has to happen at a scale where you need to understand the needs of the org or probably the leaders of the org and then try to understand that what are their core needs? What are the features that they are looking for? Because typically B2B partnerships are lucrative, but they take, it take a lot of time also. So product discovery first do qualitative feedback, try to understand what are the core needs, then try to put forward it across into some sort of a metric framework in which you try to understand that these are the features if we put across in our product or probably are in our product roadmap can actually help them solve. It's like choosing a marketing marketing automation tool for a company like Morgan Stanley. So they need to understand that what exactly really adds value to them. So going forward, even for different geographies, what you would have to do is you would for first would have to segment it across, do a qualitative analysis, try to understand that whether... <laughs> your product roadmap adds value to 80% of the customer segments and where it doesn't add value, probably will they work with it, will they not work with it, but it's an extensive process. The only difference here is your experiment design would take a longer time and it would need a far more higher qualitative feedback when you put forward a proposal to them. Put forward, forward, a, forward a proposal to them. So product dis- the only way to do product discovery is three ways that i can tell you one try to understand from a client side conversation what exactly do they want and does it fall into a product roadmap that's one the second part mm-hmm. would be that you can look at different competitors that if the client is already using a competitor what are the values that the competitor brings that we don't have and what really fit into the value of the product that we're trying to build is it does it fall in the vision vision roadmap for us and the third thing is definitely what you can also look at is that for a product in your vertical what are the complaints that people have spoken about that why is not why is it not there that is the that is probably one of the golden nuggets that people don't look it into that what exactly are the things that they are specifically looking into and what people have always resorted to feedback like you can always go to google sheets and see that there was there wasn't pivot like three years back and they built pivot because a lot of people were talking about it so that is something that you can do But the best way to do product discovery is do first a qualitative analysis and then try to break it down into a small POC that you do and try to understand what is the feedback from there. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks Thanks
1: a lot. Thank you, Rashim. Uh, Jugal, you're next. Please keep your question short because we've run over time and tell us a little bit about yourself and then shoot your question.
8: Sure. Uh, thanks, Monica Pratish, and Mushir for uh, hosting AD Super Movers. So I, I work with the strategy team at one of India's uh, <clears throat> leading uh, fintech players. And I'll keep my question very short, Shravan. And I just wanted to know from you that for somebody who's not done a lot of product management and is venturing into a role of project manager, what are the three key things you would want to suggest to that person who's, let's say, Uh, six months or 12 months into that system.
3: Correct. So I think from a project management perspective one of the key things that you specifically should know is the scope of the project that what exactly are you bringing on the table and that is where you need to have a close tandem with the PM. The second thing is that you have to be very pertinent to the right kind of timelines because projects not delivered on times affect the GTM of the product and the third thing that you specifically have to fundamentally look at is that are we aligned on the fact that the value that the project had to deliver is delivering that value or not. So that is something that you will also have to do with. So you have to be very, very closely work, work with the PM and try to understand from a strategic point of view. The first part that I said is that <coughs> are the, pro- is, is the project fundamentally the value of the project is is, is it defined very well? That is one. That is, that is something that the second is, is the project on time. And the third thing is, does it, does if the project overshoots across a particular time is it is it cutting value for it and what can i delete or add into the project because as a project manager the whole role revolves around 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 the fact that the delivery of the product is quality as well as on time so these three things should be something that you should keep into account yeah thank you so much yeah
1: thank you jugal for your question uh gaurav you're next
9: yeah. Hi. Thanks for hosting this session. Shravan, so I have a question that I'm a founder of Kaga Scanner. It's a document okay. scanning and storage app. What, what we've been seeing recently, you as you told that building for Bharat has its own set of issues and it's a different experience altogether. So yeah. on, a, on a daily basis, we see that around 5% to 10% of our reviews are one star, but they're writing super app, nice app. So, so what we have understood is that they mean to say a number app and they are rating it one star. So is there any mechanism or way that we could reach out to Google that okay, you need to change the layout or do something over there because the Bharat audience thinks a lot differently on, on many aspects and there's no as such a platform where we can reach out to Google and say something. So do you have any comments on that?
3: Hmm. It's a very, very interesting question, Gaurav, actually.
9: I so, know. We've seen this, so, so we've been seeing this a lot. So that's why I just asked.
3: Yeah, yeah. So hmm. So I think one of the ways probably is that in your product, whenever you, somebody uses your product, you probably have to give some sort of a experience in the product itself where they, they need to understand what does feedback mean. So by the end of the product, whenever they, they've used a product, there can be some sort of an overlay in which which is taught in such a way that there you have to understand that if you want to give a feedback, this is what means best and this is what means worst. If you mm-hmm. if you can design some sort of an experience over there, but particularly looking into how they understand, is it a lingual, lingual experience, is it a non-lingual experience or something like that, or mm-hmm. something like a layered experience that... Five-star means Right. This is what five star means. Or this is what so if you can design some sort of an experience, which is typically after they have done the product experience in itself, and they're about to close your app as a last, last, last layer, that is something that that, that would be great. Because if you will just, just tell them more, more often than not products people say just give a give a positive feedback if you like that give a positive feedback you might have to design that experience for them to understand what does a positive feedback mean if you can design that that will solve your problem to a certain extent but how you have to do that you would have to do some amount of user testing that why they are why the people who have given one star specifically if they have understood one what would be the necessary change in that particular layout so that the people of the similar similar cohort would easily understand. Like you can ask them that but, if you understood this is one, what why 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 did you think it's one? And take a qualitative feedback from there and then design a layout for them. So that because if hundred people have a similar cohort, then specifically if those kind of people are, are only coming, then that particular layout would be able to tell those people that five star on Google means this. So that that's probably just
9: just yeah. one thing here, shavan but the ratings layout that is given huh? is by Google.
3: No, you no, that's not questions. what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that's oh, not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, saying, I, I'm saying, saying inside the product when they're using target scanner, Cargis scanner okay. as the last screen. Because Got what that. do you do? You typically say share a feedback, right, on Google. And they yeah. go there and they put one. So I'm right. saying insta- instead of just saying share a feedback, design an experience within the product itself that what does okay. sharing a feedback mean? Got means. It and Got then it. then then let them go to google so so that's that okay. that would it, yeah. that that's something that might solve your problem it's a very high level problem but that would definitely <laughs> but you would have to do a lot of user testing over there so that Correct. that one, one star cohort one q why did they feel okay. that so so if you do that user testing that would be definitely helpful yes. cool.
9: cool thanks a lot thank
3: yeah
1: thank yeah. you gaurav for that question this is probably one uh, that will stick in my mind for a long time Thank you. And in fact, uh, this one brings me to a question on DM as well. And I'll just ask it right after. But thank you so much, Gora, for joining us. And do follow our club. Sure, Monica. Uh,
4: Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Uh, So, Karma, you're next.
6: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Monica, for giving me this opportunity again. So, it's it's an interesting conversation. And uh, Shravan, I have one question. So as part of my preparation for the PM roles, I'm reading some books uh, like Decode and Conquer and uh, cracking the PM interview. And when we come across questions like, how do you improve a particular product or, uh, you know, crit- criticize a product or bad design or something. So I struggle with that. And many a times it is written that, you know, think something different, you know, when you're Im- telling about improving a product, think, think about something exciting. But, I mean, I don't know, like, how to approach, how to get that exciting, what they mean by exciting. For example, I mean, I can see that many big tech companies, they are copying each other's feature. Like, Instagram copies TikTok, LinkedIn is coming up with a a feature like Clubhouse, and uh, Twitter is also coming up. So, like, what do they mean by exciting? Like, they are also looking into, you know, comparing each other's features and thinking, copying... (laughs) if i would say so if you can help me with that you know how i should approach such questions or what do what do they mean uh, by exciting or out of so, the box so
3: it's a, it's a very very simple way how do you figure out that uh, you need to buy fruits you are hungry right you are hungry yeah. right right so the only way to figure out innovative features is try to understand the user persona better. You need to have mm-hmm. understanding of the user, user persona. If the user persona has a certain experience and you want to improve that experience, you need to understand what the user persona is. And that is when, where you develop. That's why I said, whenever you do some sort of a case study, when you're not doing it for a company, talk to a few people and then try to evolve. And it is it will come as a thinking, thinking thought process. It is not something that I can tell you that essay so or there is a framework around it that this is how you should do it. When you have to do it, whenever you have to so take and take any product, don't 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 go to any company, take any product which is close to your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Try it, try to look at the target persona and try to ask them that what are your needs? What are your needs? Needs, not, not solutions. And once you have the needs, then you try to. Come up with creativity around this, those needs. What if this kind of solution existed? Don't look at feasibility initially. There is no point of looking at feasibility. But can you come up with some sort of a solution around it, right? And then you come to the feasibility aspect. Whenever you go to an interview, obviously you don't have the users users there, right? But when, when, you, when you've already done enough number of case studies... You have an understanding. That's why I tell people to keep reading about the ecosystem besides the product ecosystem, besides the product that they want to go into. Try to understand the consumer as a whole. The consumer is not a product. The consumer is a culmination of products, right? So do some case studies for yourself where you talk to a lot of people, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, whether it's any problem, and then try to see, do you come up with some innovative features and then take feedback from them. And then, when you once you do this exercise, the next time, whenever you come up with come up with go to any interview, you have some semblance of that. If they are talking about a user persona, which does a certain thing, this is how the persona looks like. And then you would be able to come up with the right kind of feature and right kind of insight in that way. You can interview with a sixty minute process. It's like giving JE. For JE, <laughs> you have to prepare for two years, right? Then only you give the the three hour exam, right? So that's why I am saying the only way to do this is this. Create a portfolio where you try to do some problems for yourself, applying the whole product discovery, feedback, mock-up process, and then coming up with a solution and getting feedback. Repeat this process at least 10, 15, 20 times. Simultaneously, slowly and steadily, you will get a semblance of what the user persona looks like in your segment. And once you have that understanding, then it will be very, very simple for you to come up with some sort of an innovative thought. That's the only way to do it. There's no other way.
1: Hmm. So, okay, Karma, I'll you. tell you one thing though, from my experience, because I hire product managers. The reason we ask these questions and case studies is to really identify your thought process, how you're hmm. thinking, and your ability to be able to go in-depth and actually research on a particular problem. And identify what is happening in the space. There are enough resumes that you get where you have great people, but their ability to be able to do market research, be able to understand and really cascade uh, both zoom in and therefore zoom out of the problem to understand what is it that will add value and therefore mm -hmm. help the consumer and create business is, is not there. And the only way to be able to determine that is then therefore to ask this question. Now, if you ask me, if others are copying it, should I do it? You can also take the contrarian opinion and say, no, you shouldn't, because this is not Mm -hmm. your core value proposition and you're going into a field where you shouldn't, right? Now, as consumers, you and I both do that. But then as, as a product manager, when we ask you this in a case study, then the question is, you know, what should I do? And I think the easiest is I think we get entangled into this web of why are they asking me when they know the obvious answer? Yes, we know the obvious answer. But mm-hmm. we are trying to figure out whether you are able to articulate it in a way that we will be able to think about this from the point of view of how you think about it and be able mm-hmm. to justify maybe putting it directly into our product roadmap. And I've asked a lot of strategy questions like these. And I've been seriously impressed by the, by the depth of answers that I get
6: for the same problem,
1: but coming from different sources.
4: Yeah. So the, the thought process is
6: what matters. Is that correct? Like, even if I suggest that a solution should be integration between two apps, but why I'm suggesting that? What is the reason yes. behind that? That is more more important. Exactly. So, and uh, yeah. typically,
1: like I've had case studies where there was this brilliant student from an IIM, I think asked him for a two page and he actually did that but then he also sent a powerpoint deck where he explained the entire hypothesis what he mm-hmm. had done the assumptions he had made and why i was so impressed was not with the entire depth of what he had done but his entire way of thinking from able to articulate the problem from a market research perspective to actually mm-hmm. articulating how he had hypothesized on what the time is going to be to be able to also articulate then what the user segment will be and how it will grow over the next couple of years. Now that would be way too extensive and I give him full marks. Probably, again, this, this this particular submission stood out. But the reason I'm articulating this is because he could have also asked the same question. Boss, you are doing this. This is already in your website. Why are you asking me? But I gave him exact same problem because I wanted to see whether he's even going to look that up. And he did. And he gave us an idea that we are actually got into a product roadmap right now.
6: Okay, okay, thank you.
1: Thank you, thank Sukarma, you. for asking your thank question. You and We've really, really overshot on time, Shravan. I expected this to happen and I'm apologize only because, but I'm not as sorry because I know that uh, while we've overshot, this is the most interesting conversation that we've had and I'm glad that you're making the time, but I will try to wrap this up in the next five minutes. So if there's anyone in the audience who's yet to ask a question but wanted to, please raise your hands now. I'll turn off the hands raising option in the next one to two minutes and i will request that everybody finishes uh, their questions quickly we have a question on dm as well on twitter so i wanted to ask that to shravan so vishal you're next
8: yeah thanks monica for letting me
5: i have a, like short question to uh, like simple question to shravan like how to uh, hire a great pm
3: <laughs> this is actually not a good uh, not a, not a very simple <laughs> question but, but then again i would tell you so for me hiring a great pm is not more about talent it's not about it's about the persistence right like as monica mentioned if the, if you really want to become a great pm the amount of persistence you bring into the solution is what really matters right so why did i tell you that specifically build a portfolio even before a company doesn't really want you to solve a problem it shows passion and passionate people are those who, based on their passion, however smart they are, they eventually come up with some sort of interesting solution to the to the uh, to the to the product they are building, and they come across. So, what I typically try to do is I ask them very very out of the box questions like which are not really related to product management. I typically ask them questions like, why did Slack require Salesforce? Sorry, why did Salesforce require Slack? What's your perspective on that? What's your perspective on that? Or if you have $10 million dollars, where would you invest? So, I, I necessarily try to see that is there, is there is this person curious enough or passionate enough to understand the dynamic of thinking from a user as well as a product standpoint? And if he tries to solve that question, not necessarily the right answer, and come up with some rationale around it, which is supplemented by the fact of his thought process nothing like that and that person can be in any role specifically any role for that matter for me a great pm is anyone who can come up with passion with curiosity with enough persistence to be determined enough to that i would find a solution to it and i would do everything and anything necessary to solve that problem at scale and there are multiple ways to do that so there Uh, if you put it in a simple way asking a case study or asking guesstimate is something that is very 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 like standardized i think the people have made hacks around it but necessarily that doesn't translate into a great pm the most intangible things are the tangible things that you should look in a pm so for me it has always been whenever i hire people in my team i look for how people think about a certain thing how people invest into thoughts which are out of the box which are not necessarily related to their preparation and how people specifically invest into a thought which can be very relevant to the question that is pertinent to, to the question that because three three principles stand out one are you really did you do you really understand the problem second are you passionate enough to think out of the box and third can you prioritize your thoughts these three things, they fundamentally stand out. Like I sometimes I tell them, write a PRD for me, for me write a one-pager for me, articulate your thoughts. And it, it doesn't have to be more than, than a one-pager. If you can articulate his thought in, in a one-pager, that means that he has been able to put across the 100 thoughts in, in his head into the three most logical thoughts, which I want to see. That is as simple as that. So for me, a great PM is someone who is ever curious, ever curious to look into us observe a lot of things and the other great part that I I always like in a PM is his list, listening skills. If he can listen to the problem well, then he understands the problem well and then he, if he understands the problem well, I think that is 60% job done. Solutions matter later. I don't expect any PM to come up with a solution in a 60-minute interview but if he understood the problem well and if he can articulate the problem back to me in the same way that I wanted him to be, I give him full marks. So that is specifically what you should look at. Fashion? Yeah, yeah, yeah
8: got it. Yeah. Thanks.
2: Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Shravan. And we have one last question from Twitter. And I've closed off hands raising to everyone. Which is, Shravan, you've been part of a lot of India first digital propositions. The question is, can you consider or do you consider India to be a design first country?
3: Hmm. Yes, I do consider India a design first country because... The way the user maturity has happened and the user-first ecosystem has been built, if you really want to like how Gaurav asked for the cargo scanner kind of a thing, India is a design-first country because right now also there's only 40% digital penetration and for in, in that 40%, there is still like 30-40% people, pe- people who are on 2G, right? So India has to become a design-first country because it's multilingual. It's not as homogeneous as China or South Korea or, or Japan. And we would have to build products eventually, which cater to the larger segment of the audience. And in the next 10 years, as India gets deeply penetrated, we would, we would see a lot of behavioral shifts and a lot of offline markets coming online, but in a very different product ecosystem, which will not be any way similar to products which, are, which you see in Singapore and developed countries, unless there is a paradigm shift or, and we become a developed nation and people become digital natives by design yes definitely it is going to
2: happen
1: yeah brilliant so thank you shavan for joining us this has been a most invigorating 60 uh, minutes which turned into 90 and is still continuing i have to turn the hands raising bar option off because i know there are still more questions but we would love if you would join us again but before we let you go i wanted to do a quick closing by uh, informing everyone of what's coming up So thank you everyone for joining us and for persisting through the session. The reason I say persist because we originally started off with 60 minutes and you all have nicely stuck on. And more importantly, you've ensured that you are listening to Shavan all through the session. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you taking and making the time on a Saturday with us. We are the Asian Digital Supermovers. If you haven't followed the club, please do that by clicking on the greenhouse icon at the top of the page and giving us a quick follow. Also follow the moderators and Shravan so that you can hear all the great content from and the rooms that will be organized in the future. And we hope Shravan will be back with us very soon. Uh, also, in the meantime, British has a great uh, speaker coming uh, tomorrow in his show, which is the Asia Tech Talks, which that where he does an AMA every week at 10 a.m. And this week his guest is Daman, who is the VP of Marketing and Growth at Boat, previously with uh, Lime as well as Mobiquick. So he's had leading roles on uh, different areas related. Uh, so Shavan on the PM side, and now Daman on the marketing side. I think this is going to be a growth-packed weekend for all of us the Asian Digital Supermovers. So don't give that a miss. In case you wanted to follow our calendars, do follow our social media profiles. On Twitter, we'd be posting regularly on what's coming up and uh, also the time of the events. Also, we have a Telegram group where you can be notified of everything that is happening on our side, And of course, there is a community there. So please do join us. On LinkedIn, I already posted about Shravan joining us today. And I'll be posting some quick takeaways and notes that I gathered from uh, this talk with Shravan. The most exciting part of this conversation, however, as usual, has been his truth, honesty and complete transparency in answering everything that we asked him. So thank you. Also, before I let Shravan go, Shravan, closing thoughts, what does it take to be a PM in 2025? Is it going to be a job which will be work from home only with no physical interaction? What do you think?
3: I I don't think so. It's going to happen that way. I hope Corona goes away very fast because it's more of a behavioral job. And specifically, what I think is, I think product management would not be a specific vertical. It will permeate as a thinking process across all verticals. And CX will become one of the core pillars and it will not be the core differentiators. Like how we see CX as a differentiator right now in 2025. I think that is what every company, every product firm would focus on. So product management has a design thinking the right experiment thinking is going to permeate across and i think pms would be specifically in every vertical and probably you would not even call them pms by then because that is something that is more like a cross-functional job so what i fundamentally feel product management is going to be towards more ideation execution will be more automated and i think ai and advances in Technology are going to supplement that very, very seamlessly, but the thinking process would definitely evolve. And I think every segment would not necessarily be about going first to market. It will, it will be deeply focused on how CX makes the experience different for the user, which is currently they are not in specific markets might not might not be the need right now so for being a pm it's just about how you think as a better problem solver and that is something that is going to sustain for the next 20-25 years or even 100 years how it's going to be so the best way is be curious be passionate do something that you deeply care about and that is where you become as a product manager that's it
1: golden words absolutely wonderful and thank you to everyone uh, who's been in the audience thank you for joining us do join us tomorrow as well thank you Shravan from each one of us at the digital super movers from Pratish Mushir and myself and I will request you to come back with, to our show again and Pratish Mushir over to you
5: thanks again Shravan as Monica mentioned this has been very exciting and you've been very you know very open and that's refreshing to see as Monica mentioned, next one up tomorrow for us is uh, Pratish's show. I will be hosting my next show on Tuesday uh, with Shrinivas and Jen, uh, who is one of the big names in the Indian investing world. We'll be talking about wealth tech in India at uh, six thirty PM India on Tuesday. So that's that for me. Pratish, would you like to mention about your room tomorrow and then close for today? Sure.
0: I think Monica and you have already mentioned it, so I won't take that time but shavan i think the conversation was at, at a limit that where i thought that these kind of conversations make or brave all the effort that we are putting into to create the club right these kind of conversations and amas create the authority that we are looking for for people to come and join on a regular basis so i just wanted to thank you for that this was very insightful that's it
8: Wonderful.
2: likewise likewise thanks
1: Thank you, Shravan. Take care. I'll be ending the room now. Thank you, everyone in the audience. Have a wonderful day or evening ahead of you and take care. Join us again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Bye. Thanks a lot,
3: guys. Thank you very much. Very Thank honest. You. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed listening to the interview, share it with your network. And you can also leave a review on our Twitter page. Our handle is ADSuperMovers.